Bienvenidos a Adventures in Spanish, the show that submerges you in different stories in Spanish so that you're better able to become fully bilingual and fluent in one of the most widely spoken languages in the world. In other words, este podcast avanza tu aprendizaje del idioma español a través de historias populares para sumergirte en la cultura y pronunciaciones correctas. Your host, Annie Paul Murphy, is originally from Colombia. So you can trust the Spanish accent you'll be learning with is the most neutral and clearest out there. Put another way, puedes confiar que el acento que oyes es el más neutro y claro que puedes encontrar. Empecemos, ¿listo? Time to learn some Spanish. Hola a todos y bienvenidos a este episodio de Adventures in Spanish. I'm so excited to be having today more of an unfiltered and down-to-earth conversation with you about a topic that matters to me a lot and that I think should matter to you as well. And that is the importance of speaking another language well. Not just merely knowing what you want to say, but ensuring it comes out perfectly. Therefore, and as you may have guessed, this episode will be almost all in English, as I want to make sure my message really hits home and is easily understood by all you Spanish learners. Let me start this conversation with an example. As many as you know, in addition to speaking Spanish and English, I also speak French. However, I almost always disclose that I'm quasi-trilingual because I'm not yet 100% fluent in French. I've studied it for years, but I haven't submerged myself in, in, in it enough to claim I understand it 100% of the time. Because of this reality, I don't advertise my skills in the French language, meaning I don't promote any potential ability to translate anything from English to French or vice versa. I don't teach French and I don't go around telling companies that I can develop any of their marketing for a French-speaking audience. I know my limitations after all. <clears throat> But there are people out there who, despite their own limitations and, in my opinion, poor management of a certain language, still go out there and promote their abilities in that language. They'll say they can teach it, they say they can translate it, but they're lying. I don't think that's right. Okay, let's have another example. In case you're not all that interested in what businesses don't or do do, let's say you're looking to have your kid learn another language and you find a tutor who you've determined will do a good job of teaching your kid that language. But unbeknown to you, that tutor's abilities aren't actually all that great. And your friend who also happens to speak that other language comes to you and tells you that the tutor is actually teaching some really good, rather some regional or poorly pronounced terms and then proceeds to share examples with you. You're surprised. What do you do then? Your kid's learning crap. Unfortunately, this is more widespread than you think, and I can identify with it a lot because I see and hear very poor Spanish almost everywhere. Most recently, it was during the Democratic debates when, in particular, two of the candidates made sad and embarrassing attempts at communicating with Spanish speakers. I was cringing. It was so bad. For starters, there was Robert Francis O'Rourke, more commonly known as Beto, for some reason. I'll play you the question he was asked followed by his answer in his terrible Spanish, and then I'll translate it to English. After that, I'll play you his answer in English. Congressman O'Rourke, what we've just been discussing and talking about is how much fundamental change to the economy is desirable and how much is actually doable. In that vein, some Democrats want a marginal individual tax rate of 70% on the very highest earners, those making more than $10 million a year. Would you support that? And if not, what would your top individual rate be? Next is his answer in Spanish. I should note that he actually first answers in English, 
then in Spanish, and then ends by responding more in English. His Spanish language answer is sandwiched between both English language ones, but I'll play those two together later to keep it all consistent. Okay, so this is his answer in Spanish. Necesitamos incluir cada persona en el éxito de esta economía. Pero si queremos hacer eso, necesitamos incluir cada persona en nuestra democracia. Uh, cada, votar, ca cada votante necesitamos la representación y cada voz necesitamos escuchar. In other words, we need to include every person in the success of this economy. He incorrectly referred to economy as este, which is masculine instead of esta, because economy is a feminine word. But if we want to do that, we need to include every person in our democracy. Again, he incorrectly referred to democracy as nuestro, which is masculine, instead of nuestra. So he kept saying nuestro democracia instead of nuestra democracia. Each to vote, each voter, we need the representation and each voice we need to listen to. I'll read that again without my explanation so that you get a better idea of the full passage. We need to include every person in the success of this economy. But if we want to do that, we need to include every person in our democracy. Each to vote, each voter, we need the, re the representation and each voice we need to listen to. He completely disregarded the fact that this country is not a democracy, it's a democratic republic, but that's beside the point. Now, here are both parts of his answer in English. Bear in mind that the problems in the audio actually come from the original broadcast and they were reported on the next day in case you want to find those news. So I won't include the whole thing. This economy has got to work for everyone. And right now we know that it isn't. And it's going to take all of us coming together to make sure that it does. Right now we have a system that favors those who can pay for access and outcome. How you explain an economy that is rigged to corporations and to the very wealthy? Two trillion dollar tax cut that favored corporations while they were sitting on piles of cash and the very wealthiest in this country at a time of historic wealth inequality. A new democracy that has revived power to the people. No Up next is Cory Booker. His was worse. Like before, I'll play you first the question and his response in quote unquote Spanish. Then I'll translate it to English before I play you his actual answer in English. Senator Booker, what would you do on day one? And this is a situation that the next president will inherit. And this is his answer in Spanish. Disclaimer to this day, I don't know if he was going for broken Portuguese or broken Spanish, so you be the judge. La situación ahora es inaceptable. Este presidente ha atacado, ha demonizado los inmigrantes. Es inaceptable y voy a cambiar este. This is what he meant. The situation saves, as in save time or money, <laughs> is unacceptable. This president has attacked, demonized the immigrants. It's unacceptable. I'm going to change reste. You subtract. Okay. Reste isn't even a word that fits the context, so I left it as is. In Spanish, it translates to the command form of to subtract. As in, like you're telling um, someone to do some math and you subtract something. Now, without my interruptions, he said, the situation saves is unacceptable. This precedent has attacked, demonized the immigrants. It's unacceptable. I'm going to change. You subtract. 
And here's his answer in English. I won't include his whole answer here because we're not discussing politics, just their use of rhetoric in two languages. On day one, I will make sure that number one, we end the ICE policies and the customs and border policies that are violating the human rights. When people come to their, this country, they do not leave their human rights at the border. Number two. How is all that for pathetic? Did you happen to pick up on the common theme of both our answers in Spanish? I'll let you think for a minute. Okay, yes, neither one actually answered the question. I mean, I get it. They're politicians and answering questions well, if at all, is probably not in their job description. But if they're trying to appeal to Spanish speakers, they should have actually answered the question that was asked in Spanish instead of adding a bunch of BS in Spanish. Just a thought. Still not with me? That's okay. Let me elaborate. Poorly speaking a language and pretending you're doing it really well, or worse, ignoring the question completely, ignoring the question that you were asked completely in the first place, makes you look like a sanctimonious, arrogant, and know-it-all a-hole. Not to mention, it'll help you fail exams meant to test your understanding of that other language. You simply do not do that. There, I said it. But that's not all. It also makes you look like you couldn't care less to learn exactly how to communicate in that other language, which I guess also means you're arrogant. Now I've talked about these candidates' embarrassingly poor Spanish with other people. And I, some of them have told me that at least they tried to communicate with Spanish speakers in their language. But last time I checked, Spanish speakers in the U.S., They don't need to be patronized or, pa or pandered to with such ignorance and lame tactics. A few, sure, they might faint because, oh my gosh, how awesome was it that such and such candidate could say X in Spanish and my abuelita loved it? But come on, in reality, it's in bad form. It's tasteless. Don't believe me? Okay, then reverse the roles. Imagine someone trying to convince you to do something or sell you something, but you can't help but consider the reasons pure BS. Believe it or not, smart people's BS radars go up when someone starts pandering to them using lame excuses. And speaking a native language terribly is one such tactic. Smart Spanish speakers don't want to be treated like little children by being lied to or spoken to in a language that they cannot identify with, meaning broken Spanish. Or at the very least, for crying out loud, at least learn the difference between ahora and ahorra. As you can tell, I have a big problem with not just pandering on identity politics, but also dishonesty. This gets me very heated. Pretending you speak another language well and then using your low, poor abilities in that other language to deceive people into doing something you want isn't kind. So for the love of all that's holy, don't do it. It's just not appreciated. If you're wondering, but Annie, how do I know if the tutor I hired to speak Spanish to my kid or the company I hired to do my marketing in Spanish? is doing the right job. To that answer, I kind of always used to say, just ask me, I'll tell you if they are. And then I would list my credentials, most notably that I learned Spanish in the country that speaks the most neutral Spanish, that I've been speaking since, that I've been speaking that language since I first learned to talk because it's my native language. And also, I always count on the opinions of other Spanish speakers to verify my work and exchange alternative translations, etc before submitting a final translation or original piece. That's because although I think I know a lot, I don't know it all. 
and I don't pretend to. But many people don't seem to grasp that concept and will instead try to convince you that they have your best interests at heart merely because they're speaking your native language. But poorly. <laughs> that just doesn't fly with me, I'm sorry. Mediocrity never has. When I see somebody say or write something in Spanish that is wrong, even though they try to pass it off as 100% accurate and perfect, I cringe. And, and when, it's when, when it's within my reach, I honestly, I help to fix it. I help fix it because I don't want them to get criticized by something that can be easily remedied. I would like to prevent that. But if there isn't any way for me to fix it, I just let it be. Silently laugh and think, well, at least they're trying to fool someone else and not me. Of course, the opposite is true, too. If the person knows they don't speak it well and genuinely express how their Spanish or their other language isn't good and write something, but either ask for help or humbly note it, note that they could use some work, I'm more than happy to help. But regardless of whether it's a candidate or a company that's pandering and terribly to Spanish speakers, I hate it. I think it's all bad and it shouldn't belong in the market. Typos that are passed off as correct should be fixed immediately. If Spanish isn't your native language, get something checked and fixed and learn to say it properly before you have to. Please listen carefully. Hey listeners, want to check out podcasts but are hands-free? Let me teach you some neat tricks that you can use on your iOS and Android devices. If you use Siri, just ask it for help. For instance, say things like, play Adventures in Spanish, play my newest podcast, or even play the first episode of Adventures in Spanish. And did you know that you can also ask Siri for information about the podcast that is currently playing and request to be subscribed? For example, you could say, what podcast is this? Or subscribe to this show. If you have an Android phone, you too can join in on the fun. Simply ask Google Assistant to listen to Adventures in Spanish, play Adventures in Spanish, or listen to the latest episode of Adventures in Spanish. Let me know how you like them. Happy listening, and I'll chat with you soon. As I was saying before the break, if Spanish isn't your native language, get something checked and fixed, and learn to say it properly before you have to. This brings me to my next issue, people not caring. It's not that they may knowingly pass off something as correct when it's not. It may instead be that they just don't know or care to know. To those people, I always ask, imagine if that were being done to your English language. Seriously, if somebody had a website with stuff in English that was so bad that they just left it as is because they didn't care to have it looked over. In the context of marketing, these go by marketing fails and they're rampant because they're so funny. Consumers' reactions to these is usually... Wow, no one cared to run that by a spell checker? Or, huh, I guess everyone at the board meeting that approved this failed to see the blatant mistake glaring back at them. I'm sure you've run across a few of these online or even in real life. Here, let's go over some. And by the way, I'll also share these on the show notes at podcast.annieluciapaul.com for your reference. First is a sign by a day's end that reads, We remember all who have served hot breakfast. No periods, no punctuation, nothing. Just one single sentence. A graduation program reads, University of Texas at Austin Commencement 2012, Lyndon B. Johnson School of Pubic Affairs. Yes, that one was real, but they supposedly fixed it. A prescription bottle reads, Take one capsule by mouth nightly three hours before dead. That was before dead, D-E-A-D. 
E-D. And then a CBS News headline reads, Report, Armstrong used rugs. Armstrong used rugs. I can keep going, but you get the idea. Not checking your work, even in your native language, can have detrimental effects on your finished product, your marketing, and your arguments. So you are better off getting everything proofread and looked at by different pairs of eyes, preferably those that speak that language well. Among other things, I'm also a writing tutor. And that was a big deal to get our work read by many pairs of eyes because sometimes you are just staring at your work and you don't see where the mistakes are because you think you know it by heart. And so you got used to seeing those mistakes, but they don't come across as mistakes. And so you just need to have that checked. The same can be said for anything that you develop in another language, especially if it is in your first language. And if one person looks at it, there's nothing wrong with getting someone else to check it, like a third, you know, if a second person looks at it, there's nothing wrong in getting a third party to look at it. However, in my humble opinion, if your first additional checker has a track record of being right and doing great work, and it's a long track record and you've come to trust their opinions and you don't get any negative feedback from what they've said, don't insult them by continuing to ask someone else to look over their suggestions or by asking someone else who happens maybe to have less experience to do so. All right, now that I've gotten my point across in a more popular language, what would this episode be of a podcast meant to teach you Spanish without a bit of Spanish? Here's a summary of this episode in, you guessed it, Español. Si quieres hablar otro idioma, es muy importante que lo hables bien, sin errores. Debes procurar pronunciarlo bien también. Pero si no lo hablas perfectamente, no te preocupes. En este caso, mantén una actitud humilde, la cual le comunica a otros que sí sabes que no lo estás hablando bien, pero tampoco te estás creyendo un experto ya que a la gente no le gustan los hablo todos. Y mucho menos si son arrogantes. Si tu compañía quiere empezar a comunicarse con hablantes de otros idiomas, en nuestro caso aquellos que hablan español, es vital que consigan gente que lo hable perfectamente. Esta gente puede no solo corregir errores, sino también desarrollar campañas enteras de marketing que tomen ventaja de las idiosincrasias y detalles culturales que aquellos no rodeados por esa cultura quizás no sepan. Espero que entiendas lo ventajoso que es hablar otra lengua bien y que también te des cuenta de que si quieres asegurarte que tu contenido en español sea apropiado, por favor pídele a alguien que lo hable expertamente, que te lo revise. My goal with this episode was to show you the practical implications of making sure your Spanish is accurate, and I hope that came across well. I hope that you that you got that. It's important you speak it properly, not just to make your point better, but also so that you don't come across as pedantic and ignorant, and so that you can take advantage of all the opportunities that a genuine understanding of another language can yield. As always, Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of Adventures in Spanish, and I'll catch you next time. Ciao! Hey, gracias por haberte sintonizado a este episodio de Adventures in Spanish. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Adventures in Spanish. Si te gusta el show y quieres saber más acerca de él, o ver los recursos gratis que introduje en este episodio, incluyendo mis apuntes, visita podcast.aniluciapaul.com. If you like the show and want to know more and get the free resources I mentioned, including my show notes, go to podcast.annuluciapaul.com. Si te encantó este episodio, no dudes en suscribirte a tu app favorita podcast y dejarme un review stellar en iTunes. Hey, if you enjoyed this episode, 
why not subscribe in your favorite app and leave me an awesome review on iTunes? Muchísimas gracias.